0: Coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast.
1: Every single voice is unique, and for those of us that have been blessed enough to be in this business, that's what we have to offer. It's the it's our gift. It's not us trying to rise to something we think people want from us. It's telling the story authentically and letting your voice just support the story. And your voice is going to turn itself exactly where it needs to go to do it. just an email away. Corporate letters and tell us what to say. Explain the video, image and radio. Slang local cars, reading IBRs. No, it ain't no stars. No, we're the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO
2: Podcast. Bow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. Today is going to be an excellent episode because we have on the show today, a man, the legend, he's been on both sides of the VO glass as an executive, as a producer, as a director, as he's been on the other side, as an actor, and now as a voice acting coach employing the True Tell method. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Dave motherfucking Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow.
1: laughs> and then- I never called Dave motherfucking Walsh. I love that. And of course, my mom, of course, if my mom or she's, David, what is that foul language they're using on that horrible show? <laughs> we'll we'll chop that out. We'll chop that up.
2: Dave, do you remember when I said that to you at Vio Atlanta? And you're like, Kevin, you're gonna you're gonna edit that, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm really, really good. It's so great to talk to you both. I haven't I haven't had you guys in the same room since Vio Atlanta. That's been that long.
2: I, I know, and, it, and it's been. I had to look back. It's been over three years. I can't since believe it's you been were that long. on the podcast. That's crazy. That was the last time. It's been that long. Yeah, yeah, over three years ago. Wow. And none of us, <laughs> none of us, look any different.
0: Well, doesn't <laughs> exactly. COVID make it seem like you know, three years ago was ten years
1: ago? <laughs> oh, friggin' COVID, man. I, I, I can't even. It's like I, yeah. I look in, I look in the mirror, and I, I was one of those people during COVID that. Um, because I was already, we were coaching from home already and that it was business as usual. But I started to, I hired a trainer who lived in New York as a friend of a friend of mine. And I went in the garage and I just kind of, you know, we couldn't go to a gym, but I got into shape and it's when COVID ended that I gained all the weight back because Uh. everybody's. Everybody's like, "Let's go out for a drink." Sure. Let's go out to dinner. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I did the opposite. I didn't I'm not the guy that sits at home and I don't i don't drink the wine at home and so but I so I just I did the opposite of everybody else. So everybody looks fabulous now and I look, Uy. "Oh, you look <laughs> dynamite, man." Dynamite. Dynamite. How, what's going on with you guys?
0: Well, I want to I wanted to just get get into a deep dive here because a lot of people know that you're a coach, but they don't necessarily know that how much you were into VO and how successful you were. So can you share with us how and why you made that transition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love this world of voiceover so much. And I, you know, I, I, I came from the other side of the glass, as Kevin said, originally that I, you know, I, I had a very successful career for a long time and I, 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 Thank my agents that represented me, my manager, great coaches, Maurice Tobias. I mean, just the the people that were just have been integral into my career. Um, And so at the height of my career, and the thing about it was when I coached uh, so extensively with Maurice, that I coached in every area of voiceover. So it was promo and commercial and, you know, narration. Narration's my my love. A number of your listeners might know that if they coach with me, I mentioned that a lot. Uh, trailer and animation and video games. But it was kind of at the height of this career when my voice completely just suddenly stopped working. And what I mean by that was I couldn't project it. I, I didn't know what was wrong. I was in a promo session one day and and I had a hiccup on a word and, and what ended up happening after that was words became problems, became sentences with problems and paragraphs with problems to the point where I didn't trust my own voice. And you can imagine for all of us that our voice is everything, that if you can't trust your voice that creates a sense of insecurity that you just, you, you just, you, you go into a spiral, you know? And uh, I eventually found out I had a disorder called spasmodic dysphonia, which is a medical term for the strangled voice syndrome. And it was caused initially the AMA diagnosed this particular disorder as a neurological disorder that they said, basically, that my brain was sending involuntary signals to my vocal cords and causing them to spasm. Now, I doubted this diagnosis because it was so specific that you're telling me that my brain is sending signals just to my vocal cords, not to my throat, not to my lips, not to my cheeks, but only to my vocal cords. And I kind of went, what? And the only treatment for this disorder was putting Botox injections into the vocal cords. Because- the belief was that because the cords were spasming, just like any muscle, because it is a muscle, once you put Botox into the forehead, you know, people that have had Botox before, you know that it freezes your muscles. And so with the vocal cords being muscles, if those freeze, you can't speak. You become mute, which was the side effect of those injections. You were mute for, for 12 weeks per injection. so. I backed away from that treatment. Immediately, I said, you call you call my agents at DPN and you tell them my career is over because there's no way that that's gonna work. So I ended up having my speech pathologist, who was awesome, my ear, excuse me, my ear, nose and throat doctor, found a doctor in West Los Angeles who was the only doctor in the world, you guys, who tr- ironically treated this without Botox. His belief that was that we all have what's called a vocal identity and we walk the planet trying to be husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, whatever, parents, you know, actors, we walk around with these personas that we, we augment our voice to fit into the different roles we play in life. And he said, your problem is that I was classically trained as a voice actor, but I, I put an added voice on top of it to be competitive, more competitive with the likes of Rena Romano, for the likes of Jim Tasker and Tom Kane and, you know, Joe Cipriano, I mean, and who we love. its It's being competitive with my friends and it worked, but eventually my vocal cords gave out and I couldn't sustain it. So I had to go back and relearn how to speak. And as part of this therapy, other people who had the same disorder were coming from all over the world. I met people from Laos, people from South Africa, people from Scotland, people from, from um, Chile and from wherever it was in the world. And what I noticed it, you guys, was that this wasn't one actor's problem. This was a global communications problem because not all these people were actors. They were executives, entrepreneurs, you know, housewives, singers. They were from every walk of life. So it fascinated me as to why I had this particular disorder and nobody could tell me where it came from. Bottom line was that I couldn't tell agents. I couldn't tell anyone I had this because I figured it was, you know, it was career suicide.
0: Yeah.
1: You couldn't tell a soul. So I basically hid in the closet with it. Um, and uh, people say, What's he talking about? Um, that. Uh, I started to coach actors because the doctor actually took me on as his apprentice. And I worked with people with spasmodic dysphonia for four years. I would go to DPN for my auditions in the morning. I would go to whatever recording sessions I was still booking. And then I'd go to work with patients for six hours a day. And so I learned all the basic inner workings of the voice and how the, how the psychology of the human consciousness works with the voice. And it would just, it was the most fascinating. I went back to school to learn how to speak again. And I started using this to coach actors. And I started to realize that actors were doing the same thing I was doing. They weren't doing it to the same extent. In other words, they weren't damaging their chords. But you and the the two of you have worked with me and we've been friends for a long time. I can tell in the first few syllables of a word, if you're speaking inauthentically, it's a stupid you know, thing that it's that freakazoid ear that I have for some reason, and even the doctor, the speech pathologist I worked with, said it. He said, "I've never heard anyone who has an ear like you that I can hear when someone's speaking inauthentically." So I incorporated that into my coaching and named the program for this type of this kind of coaching, the True Tell, and that's where the name came from. It came from the fact that I basically painted the windows black and my career was over. I really went to the place. I've been. I've shared this with several people that I went to the dark place. You guys, it was it was bad. It was really psychologically bad, financially draining, and being on top of an incredible career only to have it slide into a vortex that you didn't feel was retrievable was really really shitty. It was it was awful. So I, I make my life's purpose now, my professional purpose, in really helping people to to find that that core, that authenticity, and how they talk because. It's how you feel when you're authentic. It feels so sweet. You guys know this, but when you've reached that zone, right? Yeah. When you're in the Mm -hmm. pocket. You reach that, you reach that zone of just pure, pure authenticity. So that's been the core of the work. And I think as I also, you guys also know, I've graduated that work to the corporate level now too. I have a program for executives because of the fact I met so many executives in the doctor's office. I knew that there was a further opportunity and purpose of the program so it's expanded to the corporate space as well. Oh,
0: very cool. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Well, we're pleased to have you
2: on the coaching side. Now, Dave, what kind of what kind of folks are you working with? Are you working with newbies, intermediate, you know, seasoned pros? X radio people,
1: theater people on camera. It's, you know, right now it's, it's been, a, it's run the gamut, especially during COVID. I had a lot of on-camera actors and theater actors come through their agents or they just, they'd heard about me through friends or whatever. And they were so, because it was the only part of the business, as you guys know, it was the only part of the business still operating. VoiceOver was it. You know, theaters were closed, movie theaters were closed, yeah. you know, tele- productions were shut down. So a lot of actors were coming to learn more about voiceovers. So that, that was, uh, and that's been a good part of the business, but I've been able to work with people from all aspects of the business, people that I usually don't work with people that have never coached before, uh, because my coaching is very specialized. And I think it's, I always tell people, if you've never coached before, take a workshop. And the great thing now is, is that, you know, workshops from Kalmanson and Kalmanson in Los Angeles, uh, from the voice caster, a number of really well-known casting offices that have workshops, you can access those online. So there's Things that we've only been able to benefit from in New York and LA, you can now benefit from all over the country and all over the world. So, if anybody's listening and is an, is new, I would strongly encourage you to take a workshop to dip your foot in to what you like. What do you like? Commercial voiceover? Do you like animation and video games? What's your What's your jam? What do you really like to do?
0: Why don't you repeat those two for them that you just mentioned? In case sure, you catch uh,
1: two of the two places that I send uh, send clients to in terms of workshops. Uh, are Kalmanson and Kalmanson, that's spelled K-A-L-M-E-N-S-O-N, Kalmanson and Kalmanson, based in uh, Burbank, as well as The Voice caster. These two casting offices are well-known. They're institutions in LA. And they both have, um, they have workshops, multi-level workshops that are part of um, their curriculum. And they were part of the way I started when I first started in voiceover. Wow. And just a quick little tease. uh,
2: We do uh, some regular features here on the Middle Class Video Podcast, and we're going to get Dave to share a uh, nightmare session story with us coming up in just a little bit. Also, Bobby has a surprise (laughs) for Dave. All right, Dave, I want to do a a, a coach's couch segment. It's a little bit of therapy for us uh, voiceover types. So, What are we doing wrong in our auditioning process? How are we getting in our own way during an audition process?
0: Great question. Coach is coach.
1: I think it's because you think, we think as actors, it has to be perfect. That we think that it needs to sound the way we think they, the buyers, the agents, the producers want to hear it sound. And because it is a very audio driven business, I mean, it's voiceover, right? That we think it's supposed to sound perfection, like perfection. And I tell people all the time the object, I, I call it the game of voiceover. The object of the game of voiceover is that the person who is the most connected to the story wins the game. Mm. That is the absolute object of voiceover. It's not the person with the best voice. It's not the person that created the perfect articulated read. In fact, that can be the death knell to an audition, um, which we can get into later. Um, But that's, that's the thing is it's the connection. Does it feel connected? And I, I, You know, coming from my own dark place where I said, if, it, if I'm not my voice, then who am I? I say this to you, Kevin, and to you, Bobby, and I say it to everybody else. Every voice is unique. Every single voice is unique. And for those of us that have been blessed enough to be in this business, that's what we have to offer. It's, the, it's our gift. It's not us trying to rise to something we think people want from us. It's telling the story authentically and letting your voice just support the story. And your voice is gonna turn itself exactly where it needs to go to do it. And when we get in our own way, we're trying to step outside the read. You guys, we've all been there, right? Both yeah. of you, it's like you step yeah. outside and you're trying to control how it sounds. I need to sound more authoritative. Um, uh, at I think the one killer word that people really don't know what to do with is the word gravitas.
0: Yeah, I just had that this morning. Right? <laughs> did, did you really? Yeah, I did. It, I it,
1: want... it was, was, was this in an audition or was it? Is it
2: was an audition. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, It's always there, Dave. It's always it's always there. there. Well, <laughs> let me ask. Let me let me turn the let me turn the mic around. What would you? What do you both describe the definition of gravitas? What is it? I go with
2: experienced. Uh, have been there and done it.
0: I would say seriousness or some depth to it.
1: Yeah, I would say experience and depth in terms of it being serious. I think the experience of whatever like what Kevin said been there done that that experience causes the seriousness of the read the depth the richness of the experience that's gravitas and I think for guys guys think it's about grit and it's about rasp it's about those things and a weathered voice but it doesn't mean that at all it means wise mm-hmm. it just means wise and whatever and whatever iteration you think of that as, you know, um, it's experience. It's a been there, done that attitude. Hmm. Love it. Love it. L- let's go back to something that you uh, alluded to
2: a minute ago. What is uh, a death knell in an audition?
1: Oh, a death knell in an audition is, I think one thing it's going to sound really strange is you don't need cans. If you use cans, now this is if headphones, if you don't, if you're not being patched to, a producer or an agency for the audition, you do not need headphones because to me, to me, that's like looking, that's like listening, reading into a refractory mirror where there's like 600 images of you. It's you hearing you doing, you hearing, you doing, you hearing you over and over and over again. And it becomes a crutch and you get in your head all the time. The other thing is the more important thing is I think we jump into auditions way too, pa- way too fast. I think there is something to be said for the window that closes really quickly on pay to play sites, right? They take the first 50 yeah. voices. We all know this. And people say, well, I just jump in and it's a numbers game. I I'm, I'm a staunch disbeliever in that I will. I'm very vocal about it is that I don't believe that it's consistently just about a numbers game acting is a craft. It always has been, and it deserves respect. And voice acting is part of that craft. And it really pisses me off. I got to be honest with you. When, when, when people just think they can just rip and read, rip and read and rip and read that that's what the career has become. That's what the craft has become. It isn't that when you connect to a story and you feel how it feels, it will sound that way to the buyer because the buyer is buying your point of view. They're buying your opinion. They're not just buying your voice. So they want your opinion of something. They want the slant. They want the color. They want the deliciousness of it, right? And I mean, I mean I'm mean, i maybe just militant about it, but that's how I feel. I really think, and I think the people that have taken part in the True Tell Method and other coaches that that teach from that place of authenticity, that's, that's what makes the difference. In your reads, I agree.
2: I, I find that when I dig a little bit deeper or, or spend spend a little more time on the audition, and by the way, uh, I, I did stop using headphones years ago uh, because they were getting in my way. I was right focusing on how I sounded too much rather than letting the true tell come out organically. I guess, but uh, yeah, I do find that the more time you spend, the, the better my success in booking is. And, and what about you, Bobby?
0: Oh yeah. Definitely. I mean, when you when you feel it, especially if you can identify with the product, um, you know, whatever it may be, something that you've done personally or something that you believe in, if, if you can just connect with it, you're you're going to you're just going to sound so much better and believable. That's that's what I, I love about getting those auditions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's just a deliciousness in the I call it the spine tingle read when you are so in that moment and you just believe everything you're saying. it's just there's a richness. you' can't, you can't put a price tag on it really. you know I just I think that's just such an incredible experience when you just are so in that zone you know and you just need to celebrate that. and, and that's what I'm saying that's one of the other pieces of the death knoll in the booth is when you don't feel that and you try to push through it. Yeah. And you try to I'm going to convince you that I love Coke. I'm going to convince you I love United Airlines. I'm going to convince you of that. I love Kia. It's the push, push, push like that, that just it's going to sound that way. Your voice is going to do exactly what you want it to do. You want to sound pushed? It'll sound pushed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to sound connected? It'll sound connected. That's us get worthy.
0: Let's flip over to um, voiceover trends. Obviously, it's still out there. The conversational read. The millennial read diversity is still huge. Do you think these three and others are going to be sticking around for a while? Is the announcer re- read still relevant? What do, what do you think is going on?
1: I think well, it's funny because during the Super Bowl, one of the key sponsors was Jersey Mike's, and the read is a traditional retail read. It was it was as traditionally retail as it possibly could be. So when it comes to certain fast foods, when it comes to certain reads, the announcer read is still alive and well, it's not gone. I think during COVID it had to stop completely because we just, it would just be, it would be so out of place and so disrespectful it couldn't be yeah. there, you know? Um, And I think over the course of, you know, COVID and now beyond the diversity issue with BLM, with, with Asian hate, with so many, so many uh and meet the me too movement. So many of these, um, movements that arose over the last few years, uh, they've really, they've shifted the culture as, as we know. And it was an enormous amount of, of the, of the diversity read. I think that pendulum has swung back towards center. Uh, there are many more um, opportunities for, for white performers um, and that's male and female. And uh, but I think also the diversity of non-binary has become such a such a huge part of the reads. Trans reads are part of the reads. I, I am so I'm so pleased to see those things come forward and Latino reads and Asian Asian American reads and and Pacific reads. I mean, I think that they're all there's always room for everyone. And what I'm also finding in talking to f- a few managers, Celia Siegel being one of them and several casting directors, is that they're reaching on both sides of the pond for Indian reads, for Pakistani reads. They're looking for French reads. They're, and these might not be, you know, you're not going to probably have as lucrative an American voiceover career as a native French person or Pakistani or Indian. But the global reach of voiceover now yeah. is these reads are relevant and they're wanted, you know? So there was an Airbnb spot I think I used for One Voice last year that it was done with an Indian performer, and it was outstanding. It was just, they they did a total global reach in their advertising. Um, So there's just, you know, there's a lot of room. I, I, really quickly, I know that there's a lot of people that have had unbelievably lucrative careers, and there will still be those people. But because the pie is being split up in more directions, it will thin itself out somewhat. There's got to be room for more people at the table, you know? And I think we all need to realize that.
0: That's a good point. Yeah.
2: We're talking with uh voice acting coach Dave Walsh, good friend Dave Walsh, and uh, we're going to get Dave in a uh, nightmare session story coming up in just a little bit. And and Bobby has a special surprise for Dave. I say. don't like this. <laughs> it's up scaring up well. me.
1: Don't oh. oh,
0: it's nothing bad.
2: Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's scare everybody else with a nightmare session story. Dave Walsh, you've done acting, you've been on that side of the glass, and you've been a a coach for a number of years now. Uh, If you would, please favor us with a nightmare session. Nightmare Nightmare Sessions. Sessions.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's take you back. <laughs> 15 years. I'm gonna tell you two nightmare stories. One is a performer and one is a coach. Okay. Um, the performer story was, and I, I'm some some fellow promo uh, performers out there or basically anybody that's had a campaign for anything that it's very possible sometimes when you're in the middle of a campaign and you're producer of record, is on vacation, they're sick, they don't show up that day or whatever, and you've got somebody punting. Sometimes they're younger. Sometimes you know, it depends who they are. While well, I was doing these promos uh, for a show called Pepsi Smash, and the new producer came in. This was at the network, and it and it was just they directed me in a completely new direction to a point where it was as shrill and as loud as I possibly could be, which was completely opposite what the network had approved. And Mm. I knew this was wrong. I knew it was just, it was just, and it was first of all, my voice was shot. Yeah, It was shot and it just, and they, they, we read it to picture and they put it up against production. And I'm going to myself, how the hell is this going to play? Yeah. And all I kept thinking was calling my manager, Debbie Cole, when I, when I left the <laughs> session going, they're going to fire my ass <laughs> because you, I'm at the mercy of this producer who kept saying, no, I want a bigger, I want a bigger, I want a bigger. And finally, once I got out of the session, I called Debbie right away. It was nighttime session. It was probably around seven 30 at night. And I said, Deb, I need you to call, uh, the um, there I mean, was David Zachariah, who's now over at Reels Channel. David's in um, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. But David was an incredible support for me at at uh, at the network of the WB. And I said to Debbie, "You have to call David because I need him to know that this. I mean, I didn't want to. I'm not trying to, you know, rat on the producer, but this, this is my job. I mean, yeah. you're." This producer was 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 subbing. And I'm like, I can't lose my job over this. So it was, it was probably one of the most terrifying experiences because you basically you have no control. And this is why you want to make sure that you have a good relationship with your agents and your managers if you're in these kinds of worlds that you need to know that yes, you need yes, you're at the mercy of the client because they're paying your way, but you know your you know your campaign, it's your own baby, and you want to protect it as much as you can. So if you know that something's wrong, I guarantee you something is. So it's always good to check in with your reps or the producers themselves if there's a problem like that. Because I have to tell you that was, and, and bottom line in the story was we came back and they redirected it two days later. That they took oh, it back wow. to the original place, and, and not just because I said something. I guarantee you, it's because when when David and the other powers that be heard it, it didn't work. It wasn't like, the, the brand. Hell is crap? Like, what is this crap? What is <laughs> this? You know, so, um, so there's that, um, the coaching nightmare, I, I told this to Kevin yesterday, we just had a quick chat and I said, I've only fired two clients in my entire 14 years of coaching. Um, and one of the clients was just refusing to, um, to just take my notes and just kept saying that they really understood they knew what they were doing. They really didn't need the notes that I was being too picky. I was being too this and that. And it, it just- that That's your job. It's a very simple nightmare story, but it's the thing where you don't want to fire a client because you don't. You just, you want to help them. You want to, you don't want that to be- um, and you don't want that on the street. You don't want to be totally blunt and transparent. You don't want people starting to say Dave Walsh fires people. Dave Walsh did this or whatever. <laughs> so you're protecting your reputation. But this sure. particular person was so incredibly um disrespectful. And I think was just just incredibly rigid and completely inflexible. And I said, I just don't think that this is I, I think that you clearly don't want to be coached. And, you know, I just I ended up firing the client because it was it was that. And it's um, yeah, because what I, and you guys both have sent clients to me and I'm incredibly appreciative And anyone who has sent any reference, reference, any people to me, I think for all of us coaches, I can speak for everybody. That's the best possible promotion you can have that when other actors trust you with their careers, because that's what we do is, is where it's a relationship. You know, I take it incredibly seriously. It's your own career. And you know, I, I, I pride myself on being a strategist as well as a coach. I I like to st- strategize with my clients about, you know, uh, the next demo, the next kind of course of action, what is with another area they want to pr- pursue marketing, that kind of thing. I always send them to, you know, to Mark Scott and to, Ann Ganguza and, you know, the people who are the, the, the pros at that. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't, that was kind of the nightmare for me was just, Needing to let somebody go, it really wasn't about the session itself. It was just the relationship that was just toxic. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they were resistant to change. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're and,
0: probably not the only person that they had that issue. Well,
1: probably. <laughs> and I didn't want to waste their money. You know, I didn't want to do that. That's not. That's not. That's not cool. You know. So that's that.
0: So you, you've been talking about being a coach, and but you are also now a demo producer. Um, Are you doing just certain genres or um, are you kind of wide open on what you know?
1: I do the genres that I coach in. So I will coach. I coach in commercial and promo and broadcast narration, corporate, political, uh, e-learning. It's funny because some people only know of me as a commercial coach, which I think is interesting because I've never promoted myself that way. But there are some people that think that I only coach commercial. I again, because I was so unbelievably, I was um, just a crazy person and a, and, a, and a nerd about wanting to be immersed in every part of voiceover. I really, all these areas that I'm coaching in, I, I just immersed myself in for years, working as a working actor, but also auditioning and coaching in those areas as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, those the areas I don't coach in, I don't do video games and animation. I don't do radio imaging and I don't do audiobooks. Those areas I send to the best of the best. Those are not my forte at all.
0: Have you turned down clients who wanted to do a demo because they weren't ready?
1: Yes, I will tell clients that they um that they're just not in a position where they're ready to do it. I said because, here's the deal. You can do the demo. We can, we can, it's like a, we're like in, in a laboratory, right? We, we can make a demo sound amazing, but if you can't duplicate that cold read, whether off a pay to play or your agents audition or whomever, then the demo's worthless. Yeah. You know, if, if, I think people sometimes want to rush to the demo and just kind of, oh, I need a new demo. Well, let's hear your reads first. You know, I, I'm not interested in doing a demo for the sake of a demo. I want to know that your reads are solid before we make any changes, whether we just update the demo you currently have or a new one or something like that, you know? So, and especially if people who are new coming in, um, I think, I think new actors coming into voiceover make the unbelievably expensive mistake of doing a demo too early, Yeah. Mm -hmm. way too early. You know, they want to do it after six weeks of coaching. I'm saying, really? I'm sorry, I don't think anybody unless you're a wunderkind, that's just the most incredible. <laughs> you know like that that's person that just has perfect pitch. i I I don't think anybody's ready to do a demo after six weeks. yeah
0: yeah. are you, are you ready to spend another two thousand dollars and in a year exactly
1: a quest? totally. so yeah that's uh that's that. I just think it's um it's just a waste of time and money. When you're not ready, I think it's in, and I think it's wonderful to be, you know, actors will say to me, I really want this so badly. I'm going to work really hard, Dave. And I'm saying that's wonderful. And I'm really respectful, but that doesn't mean you will be successful. It doesn't mean, and I'm not trying to deflate anybody's dreams. I'm just saying just because you want it doesn't mean it'll happen. You have to be strategic about it. You have to, you have to really put the time and effort into it. And that doesn't mean coaches all the time. That means practicing in the booth on your own. It means really, you know, being obsessed with it, really being obsessed the way that the greats have been. And the guys and the gals who are that successful are that way because they lived and breathed it every minute of the day, Yeah, you know, you know, so good stuff. Your honesty, Dave is, is appreciated by
2: most. I'm sure. And those that don't, you know, appreciate (laughs) your honesty, you know, that's like, who's that hack? (laughs) No, yeah, whatever. Whatever. And and Dave, before we let you go, here we go. Bobby's got a special surprise for you. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So on Facebook, Dave is known to a lot of us as throwing out the American Top 40
1: quizzes every (laughs) once Okay, gang. Hi, gang. (laughs) How about a new quizzer for (laughs) you?
0: And I love them. I love it's them. It's time to flip the script. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, we're turning the tables. So I'm. I had three different uh, questions that I want to ask, but I'm let you just do one. You pick door number one, door number two, or door number three.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pick door number. Oh God, help me! I'm gonna pick door number three.
0: All right. Okay, there are two artists in the same year, 1963, that are the youngest artists to ever hit number one on the billboard charts name okay you want a male and a female
1: it's a male and a female i will say number one for male is wayne newton hold on wait (laughs) hold on it's not paul anka (laughs) (laughs) don't you look it up dave i'm not looking up anything (laughs) hold on Hussein. hold on Hold on. Um, all right, let's go for the female, the female, 1963, the youngest female.
0: (sighs) She was 15.
1: She was 15. It wasn't Debbie Reynolds with Tammy. She was too old. Can I guess? Go ahead. Guess. (laughs) Go ahead. Is it Brenda Lee?
0: No, no, it's not. That would have been a good guess though.
1: All right. Um, 1963 male. How old was the male? How old was he? He was 13. Oh, 13. oh, Stevie Wonder.
2: Yay!
1: That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Stevie Wonder was one, and then the female. Oh, 15, oh, oh. 63.
0: I will follow him.
1: Oh, um Is that Petula Clark? That's not Leslie Gore. That's not Leslie Gore. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are funny. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Um Little Peggy March.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I know the song, but I know I the, the song, song too. <laughs> I will. Oh, I have, a, I have a, I have a question for you. I'll give you one this, and I, I'm actually going to do this live. I was going to post it today. Okay. okay, what was the Grateful Dead's first top ten single?
0: Oh, I hate the Grateful Dead. Truckin'. Nope. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not.
1: Qualified. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. 1980. Eighty-seven.
2: Oh, 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 ah oh. ah, ah, It's some
1: Uh, no, it's no, it's but no, but it's it's about a, it's kind of like a color.
0: In the dark.
1: In the dark. In the dark.
0: Okay.
1: Nineteen uh, eighty-seven. And by the way, it wasn't their for only their first number one. It was their only number one. I can believe that. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. They're only top ten single. Their only top ten okay. single of all time. A Tetra Gray. I was thinking of Touch of Grey. Touch of Grey. Yeah. yeah. In the Dark was their own was their only top 10 single. Wow.
0: Right. Yeah. We'll, watch, we'll watch for it on Facebook. We, we won't play.
1: <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, and I'll call you, you both answer. out too. <laughs> yeah, no, but I wanted to do a live one. I love that you gave me those questions too. That was awesome. Yeah, good stuff. I love that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we love you. <laughs>
1: so
2: so if anybody wants to coach with Dave Walsh, D- Dave, what are the prerequisites for coaching with you?
1: I think again as I said, if you've taken a workshop, um uh you know, and you, just you've only taken one that's fine, but you want I want you to have at least somewhat of a of a of a feel for voiceover and obviously if anybody Ooh whoops. Oh, just put that anywhere. That's all. That's a, just put that anywhere. Just throw it down. Um, if anybody wants to, um, to at least, you know, have a consult and have a conversation in chat, that's always, I also offer some, you know, a brief few minute consults. Um, but yeah, I would say somebody who, you know, has at least dipped their foot in, um, and it's not just somebody who comes in and says, you know, people have said I had a good voice. I know that's lovely. (laughs) Your mother has told you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and one, one other thing, one other thing I might add about demos, if we can go back to that for a quick second. Sure. I would advise people once they finish their demo and they've gotten it back from their coach, from their producer, please do not play it for family. You can play it for uh, family, but please do not oh, ask yeah. for feedback from people that are not in the industry. Pay it, play it for fellow actors, play it for producers, play it for agents, but please do not get feedback from friends and family who are not in the business because it just i mean their secondary their secondary opinions are nice but that's not what you need when it comes to reviewing your demos Excellent. you know, just my thought one other quick thing do you do audition directing for folks i do do audition directing for folks when i have availability right now it's been kind of catch uh, catch you know cash cash can mm-hmm. um, when the schedule has allowed it um, but yes, I do do that when there's an op- when the when there's an opening for that, which you know a lot of times last minute, and I know people have a lot of those kind of last minute auditions. If I have it available, I will absolutely make myself um, available to do that. Excellent.
0: And where can they contact you?
1: They can contact me through the website, which is Walsh W W-A-L A L is in Larry S is in Sam H voiceovercoaching.com. and my email, which is Dave at Walsh voiceovercoaching.com.
2: Dave, also on, on WalshVoiceOverCoaching.com, I, I happen to notice that you have some limited edition T-shirts for sale. I have to know, are you the male model in said T-shirts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you got the face cut off, and I was like, "That looks like Dave."
1: I was gonna say it's my headless, you know, grinder pick, but no, I won't say that. Or a Tinder pick. It's not my. That's not what that is. Busted. I just loved
0: your response. It was like you kind of bowed your head, and your shoulders went down. Yes,
2: right. it is mine. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yes, Dave. So um, great to catch up with you, man. You too, Always buddy. Fun. Both of you. I just, I love it. I just love hanging with you guys and just, and I want to say to everybody that these two, when we went to VO Atlanta in March, and I don't think I ever said this to both of you is that they, they, they had their own seminar, which was really outstanding. I think that they had a Q and a with the, not with the audience and really had a very powerful uh, just share with people in terms of all the areas of voiceover that are available. And when I was standing in the audience because it was standing room only. Um, (laughs) We talked about, you guys talked about so many areas of voiceover. You talked about IVR. You talked about AI. You talked about e-learning. You talked about so many areas where I felt it was so important that people come to a conference like VO Atlanta or One Voice where they get introduced to These kinds of opportunities where I think some of the larger agencies in the larger cities, they don't have exposure to these things. They don't know about as much of this opportunity uh, as where you guys started and what you've brought to the industry with the podcast and, you know, just your own experience as actors and and working in the radio industry. I think you're the perfect example of that middle-class voiceover that came up. And really punch th- punched a hole through it and live in that live in that world. I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And we look forward to seeing you again, friend. Uh, I'll have some more. Uh, I'll, have some more tri- <laughs> I'll have some more trivia. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there, <laughs> Bobby. You could you couldn't wait to do that. I know you couldn't wait to just try and get me back.
2: <laughs>
1: Dave Walsh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you so much, everybody. Yay!
0: the yeah. yeah. oh, Middle class view, oh, podcast. Middle class
2: view, oh, podcast.